The 42 Rugby Weekly is brought to you by Dundeal Motors, home to all of Ireland's trusted car dealerships. Visit dundeal.ie today to start the search for your next car. I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could have me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. It's coming Rugby, Rugby Weekly. Hello, welcome to your Friday Rugby Weekly podcast. Kieran Kennedy here, and we are back in beautiful blue sky, sunny Stade de France ahead of Ireland v New Zealand, the huge World Cup quarterfinal tomorrow night. And I'm joined, as always, by Murray Kinsley. Exciting times, absolutely exciting times. We're here, it's finally rolled around a game that we probably knew was likely looking at the World Cup draw, and there was lots of hurdles to clear, but Ireland have cleared them. And they seem to be in good spirits and in good health. So we're, yeah, we're shaping up for an absolute cracker. Yeah, we were here early today to see Ireland, the first 15 minutes of their captain's run. There was a bit of vision access and it was all eyes on Mac Hansen and a heavily strapped calf muscle. He was one of the last out of the tunnel, actually. And I was thinking, is he going to come out? And he arrived out. Yeah, very heavy strapping on his, his right calf. Um, big white bandaging. He looked a little bit ginger as he first started moving around, but he got going then. And, and by the end of it, Ireland were into a quite a high-tempo team run and he was sprinting, he was sidestepping, he finished a nice try against the, the reserve team and he looked to be in, in really good nick. We just heard from Mike Cat there and he said he came through in good form. He said he looked sprightly as ever, which is good to hear and he's been past fit essentially now to, to start. So barring any disastrous late setbacks, it looks like he is good to go and they've been confident of that as far as I understand all, all week. He had to obviously clear a few hurdles of his own along the way but but he's good to go also we saw that James Ryan was back with the squad he returned to Dublin earlier this week and as Mike Cat just confirmed officially he did have a procedure on his wrist so now both of his wrists um, are really heavily strapped and you would imagine he's in a bit of pain he did a bit of running at the start and then he stepped aside onto the sideline as they went through kind of passing drills you'd imagine it's still quite tender if he's just had a procedure back in Dublin but they expect him to be available for the semi-final if they get there and that's a a boost Robbie Henshaw was training away and and he looks to have recovered much quicker than they initially anticipated and again would be okay for a semi-final Keith Earls was on the sideline and didn't appear to be training while we were there anyway and he has a bit more to do on his rehab of his of his hamstring so Again, I do think they're they're quite hopeful around him in the, the semi-final. So, all in all, a, a very positive morning's work for Ireland on the injury front. And Hansen was the big one. He's such a key guy. We've gone through it a few times this week, just what he adds on both sides of the ball with his energy, with his character. And to have him available is a huge boost, given also what we've seen in the, in the All Blacks team, which I'm sure we'll come to. Yeah, as you say, we were just out of the captain's run press conference there where Mike Cat was up alongside Caelan Doris and Dan Sheehan and as has been the case all week really just really cool calm confident sounding Irish camp they don't have the look at all of a squad or sound of a squad that feel in any way phased by the occasion that's coming tomorrow um, kind of saying all the right things but there was one quite strange exchange with a New Zealand journalist which you might be able to give our uh, listeners a bit of detail on. Rather bizarre question from one of the Kiwi TV journalists who asked my cat if they, if Ireland had a team photographer at the All Blacks training session yesterday and was that normal if that was the case? Cat literally, quite literally laughed. Uh, it was an obvious intimation that there'd been a bit of spying going on. And basically to, 
to cut to the core of it, uh, a photographer from Info Sports Photography, who does work closely with Ireland during these tournaments, but Info have a lot of other clients, including us. We use their brilliant snaps all the time. He went along to New Zealand's Media Vision Access, which is a 15-minute period during the training session where the media are entitled to come, take photos, take videos, do their various bits on the sideline, just what you described in terms of Ireland. It's a completely standard, normal procedure and the info snapper was there for that. And I don't know how that's been twisted into an intimation that Ireland were spying. We don't know if this has come from All Blacks camp or if it's just a bit of mischief in the, in the Kiwi media, but really, really bizarre stuff. Just made no sense whatsoever. Uh, maybe just gives us a sense also of this game and how it's got into Kiwi minds. I was just speaking to someone from Radio New Zealand um, and he was saying, and he just said, you've really got in their minds, this Irish team, the, the media, everyone. And they're very obsessed with them at the moment. And it was just a little insight in, into that. There's absolutely nothing concrete at all behind that. And as I say, the info snapper absolutely entitled to be there, taking some great photos, which you, both of us actually, I think, have used in our pieces of the, the Kiwi guys. So really, really bizarre episode. It was a bit of a... It hadn't been a quiet week, but then the last 24 hours, it's just exploded. We had the injury concerns, and then we had Mark Talia getting dropped for disciplinary breach, and now we've got this really strange, odd exchange. And, and Ireland, they handled okay. They were confused, clearly, but the, the World Rugby World Cup official who was leading the press conference also stressed that it's absolutely fine for photographers to be there for that portion of training. So much ado about absolutely nothing. Yeah, and it has been a busy week. It's been a brilliant week and it's been great to be in Paris for, for the whole run of it. It means we've both been able to kind of get out and about and get into boat camps. I was out with the All Blacks on Tuesday and they had Rico Oane up with um, Aaron Smith. I know you were out there then last night for their team announcement. What did you make of the, the mood in the, in the All Blacks camp? It was just such an eye-opening experience and we know that this relationship has changed massively. But I think back to 2016 in Chicago, one of my strong memories of the week is sitting in the press conference of the All Blacks and asking their players questions which they could have used to show that they knew of the Irish players. And it was almost a bit of a challenge for us to, to expose that they actually didn't know the names of some of them. Now, others are rugby nerds, obviously. Some of them didn't know the names of their Irish opponents. They just, at that stage, Ireland hadn't really earned their attention, earned their respect in, in all that great a way. And, the All Blacks traditionally were always focused on themselves and they knew that if they were at their best, they'd beat anyone, but it's just not the case anymore. And as I alluded to a little bit earlier, Ireland really in their, the forefront of the All Blacks' minds now. They, they were effusive about the, the Irish players and obviously Johnny Sexton and Peter O'Mahony are big names, but Richie Moanga and Artie Savea had just gushing reviews of, of how those guys are going. Artie Savea saying he's great mates with Josh van der Fleer, a good Christian man, as he called him, and a great player. And just for that to be the whole tone and gist of the, the media interactions, three different press conferences, it was eye-opening. It, re it really has changed. The, the respect has been earned. It's very different now. They know all about Ireland. They've, like other teams, probably even tried to mimic little parts of their game, and, and they've total respect for them based on what Ireland have done to them but also to other teams and I think that's just such a striking contrast as you say Ireland are really really confident and rightly so because they've been excellent for a, a, a long time and it's almost like the role reversal the Kiwis framing themselves as underdogs 
Ian Foster's whole message was that history doesn't matter now. It's just about what happens in this match. He's right. It's a knockout game. If you're better on the day, as he said, you win and you go through. But it's just crazy that the All Blacks are not the ones leaning on, on history. Ireland changed the history of this relationship in 2016 and they've kept doing it since to the point where my, my impression coming away from All Blacks camp was not that they expect to lose. Of course they don't, but they wouldn't be surprised if they do. And there's a, that little bit of fear maybe a bit strong because the All Blacks still have belief in their own ability to shred teams at times but massive respect and a very very transformed relationship I don't know if you felt that when you were out there as well it just seems so different that was it yeah I got like it was it was so striking to walk around and I heard a television crew kind of recording their intro at the side of the Vision Access on Tuesday and they were talking about New Zealand being underdogs heading into this game and when you hear that coming from a New Zealand accent it still kind of takes you back a little bit um, and I hate to break it to you but Ireland still have a bit of work to do because a New Zealand journalist asked me on Tuesday who, who our fullback is again um, that's so a journalist that's a journalist the players definitely definitely know who Hugo Keenan is yeah yeah I know I know I'm only messing but um, but yeah it's just it does feel different and it feels different to even previous build ups against against the All Blacks and Ireland just seem to be handling that expectation so well like as I said earlier they just haven't really said a wrong word all week or put a foot wrong all week and they're going into this game in such a strong position like it's we think it's going to be a full strength team again tomorrow but the big news from the New Zealand camp as you mentioned earlier was Mark Talea dropped out of the squad for a disciplinary breach huge news absolutely huge he's been excellent for them since he made his debut last year still inexperienced he's 26 but only seven caps I think it is and he's been really lethal we saw him in the World Cup opening fixture two tries against France and he, he took his chance as well and he was one of the big threats this weekend for, for, for the Kiwis. But yeah, he's gone. And what massive regrets he must have. It sounds like he missed a, a curfew late on in the, in the day. That's the, the chatter in the New Zealand media. And it just seems just crazy that a player can make that error in such a big competition with a quarterfinal already ahead of him and a key role in the team. And yeah, fair play to Ian Foster for sticking by his principles and his his rules but I would imagine he was a little bit worried that one of his guys who has become really important is in that mind space or, or not in the right mind space so soon before a, a massive game so Lester Fanganuku is not a bad replacement by any means but Mark Talia as the team selections have shown was ahead of him in the pecking order and I think would have been a, a big weapon for, for the Irish defence to worry about so that is a, a massive story I can only imagine Obviously, he made a huge mistake. I can only imagine how he's feeling now. It's global. It's embarrassing it being out there like that. And yeah, it's going to haunt him for a, a long time, I would guess. Either way, regardless what happens in the match. But yeah, they said they still love him. And they said it was a minor breach. But that's a pretty major, major decision. And uh, I think it weakens the All Blacks. Absolutely, it's huge. And I don't know about you, but at the beginning of the week, I was maybe a bit more wary about this fixture but as the days have gone by and the more I think about it I've just found myself becoming increasingly confident that Ireland are going to get the job done tomorrow night I don't know how you feel about the game as, as the week has progressed and we've been in both camps I was confident at the start of the week to be honest I think I said it on the Monday pod and, and that hasn't really changed all that much but like and Ireland are confident too and, and that does give you a little bit of an edge I think the, the bit I like about what Ireland are 
doing and saying about all of this World Cup is that they're acknowledging there's going to be bad parts. They're acknowledging there's going to be anxiety and that it's normal for there to be anxiety. Don't, don't try and completely fight it. But they've got tools now, working with Gary Keegan and with Andy Farrell, to manage that and, and push past it. And the same applies even when the All Blacks have their flurry in this game. Gary Ringrose said it the other day, when they break you, because they will break you. They'll probably score a few class tries or, or one or two or Will Jordan will have a, an amazing moment or Bowden Barrett will absolutely skin someone and it's been able to handle that and obviously adversity has become the big word but Ireland have got really good at that so even if they don't get a good start say for example I think they've shown Irish fans that they can come through those challenges and and react well to them they're confident based on the fact that if they play at their best, Ireland will beat the All Blacks. I, I don't know. I don't think there's any dispute over that. They're a better rugby team. They have a better defence. I think they have a better attack. They have a better forward pack. I think their set piece, if the line out is where it was in the Scotland match, is, is better too. And they've got a better bench, in my opinion, as well. And there's a bit of a callow edge, I suppose, particularly the, the props there. And even a controversial decision with Finley Christie over Cam Roygaard, who's been in, in lethal form. And Ireland probably wouldn't have liked to defend late on. So... Yeah, like it's funny how little the Irish team seems to be obsessed or focusing on New Zealand, whereas the All Blacks, it's the, it's the opposite. Ian Foster was asked three times about selection decisions, and every single time he spoke about defending against Ireland specifically. So even his selection decisions, which is a massive change from the past, are based around what Ireland will do, rather maybe than what his All Blacks team should or, or could do. So Ireland, are, they're still marginal favourites, and it really is so different in a, in a quarter final but all the signs are that they aren't going to be crippled by the who do the curse whatever you want to put on it and I think it's just excitement about potentially being the ones to make history The 42 Rugby Weekly is sponsored by Dundeal Motors whether it's luxury cars seven seaters for a growing family or making the switch to electric find everything you need at dundeal.ie Yeah it's going to be another cracking occasion and like obviously as we've both said we're both confident we're certainly not pessimists, but we are realists. And if Ireland were to lose tomorrow night, it would be the last we see of Johnny Sexton in an Ireland rugby jersey, which is still just kind of hard to wrap your head around considering the way he's playing at this tournament. He's probably still the best out half in the world. I think most teams would take him in their side and his character is a massive part of it as well. And he seems to just be really enjoying it all. I don't know what your impression has been, but he seems more relaxed and it helps that they're winning. Obviously, it hasn't been in any way stressful in, in that way but I know you've been tapping away and working away on a, a bit of kind of insight into him what are you what are you learning from those who've been around him in the World Cup I don't know if I'm learning too much to be honest because he still sounds like he's the same old Johnny but what has been striking I think at this tournament is how much he just seems to be enjoying it all and relishing it all like they do a really good job of building up the occasion here at the Stade de France before a match people are in their seats about an hour beforehand and We've seen him come out early and do a lap around the pitch on his own and kind of acknowledge the crowd. You can see him interacting with the crowd during matches when they have a big moment. He's pumping his fists. He's kind of saluting the crowd again when he's being brought off. And doesn't look like a guy who's playing with a lot of pressure on his shoulders. And some of his teammates have spoken about that this week and how that mood is just rubbing off on everybody else and lifting everybody else. And... It seems to be a reflection of the camp Andy Farrell has created there, but also, as you say, the rugby he's playing at the moment is just... It's out of this world, really, and the reason I'm writing about him tomorrow is because you put the question to me, I think, last weekend when we were coming out of the stadium. Can you think of any athlete who was performing at a higher level when they were about to retire? And it's, it's difficult to do that. 
Um, but we're looking down on the pitch now here. There's a groundsman out just fixing a few divots and in about two hours or so, the French team are going to be here to go to their captain's run and we'll be back down sideline again with all eyes on Mr Antoine Dupont. He's back, baby. We knew it was happening and it's still remarkable that it is happening. This guy had a metal plate put into his face 20 days ago and now he's going to play the Springboks with his new scrum cap, which he revealed that the surgeon absolutely insisted on. I don't think he was too sure about it, maybe the, the look of it. He has lovely hair as well. He couldn't get to show that off, but he's been past fit and, and like... Do, it was all. I think it was always likely that was going to be the case, but it doesn't make it any less astonishing that he's going to be back so soon on on the pitch. And it's such a massive spirit lift for the the French people and the French team that their main guy, their talisman, the best player in the world, is going to be on the pitch against the Springboks team, which is really interesting. They've gone with Kobus Reinach and Manny Libok as their halfback pairing over Faf de Klerk and Andre Pollard on the bench and seems to suggest that they're going to go with that new slant they've had on their game and try and score tries and not... Listen, there's going to be a lot of kicking. We know that for a fact. And Libok can kick well and Reinach can kick well, but they seem to bring that little bit more thrust to, to their game. A 5-3 bench as well. It feels like the Springboks have... They've been the ones changing for other teams, again, in this World Cup a lot more than has been the, the case in the past. And in a game where it was always going to be 50-50. The return of DuPont and the energy that brings on top of all the unbelievable skill that he brings and apparently he's still in great nick. He hasn't been out that long and he's been training away. It just gives France that little edge, I think, in terms of the magnitude of the occasion. And this place is going to be absolutely jam-packed with crazy French passion and, and, and noise and colour and it'll all be eyes on, on Antoine DuPont. It's his World Cup. He's the face of it. He's the face of French rugby and it's a better quarterfinal, a better competition for him being back. Yeah, absolutely. We've got two brilliant quarterfinals to look forward to here in Paris over the weekend. And Andy Farrell said it last week, this is living. What's the plan for the, for the rest of the day and tomorrow morning? This is proper living. Uh, a hell of a lot of work to do, of course. The Fridays are always absolutely hectic, but it's great. It's exciting. Every word you're writing is exciting now at the moment. So get through all that, get a bit of grub on board tonight and then get a good sleep because tomorrow and Sunday are going to be absolutely epic. Two late nights at Stade de France with the 9pm kickoffs. And if anyone is coming and they're listening, the, the organisers have asked us to tell the fans to get here as early as possible because it has been a bit manic on, on match days. And I know the team absolutely loved it as well. The fact that they, they knew the fans were there at the stadium waiting, building that atmosphere. And it's going to be really interesting to see. We don't have a, an estimated number because obviously there's been less time, less turnaround for people to go and get tickets for this game but as we've seen in the other matches Irish fans have an unbelievably good habit of being able to find that ticket even at a late stage I know there's loads of people coming over without tickets fingers crossed for all of you that you manage to, to bag one but I, I would imagine the fan zones in Paris the bars all around the place are going to be packed with green as well and that's been a huge part of this Irish journey I just cannot wait for another massive occasion that's it we know the city's going to be absolutely hopping over the next 48 hours and where else would you want to be look we'll leave it there because we have quite a lot to get through so Murray and myself will be back tomorrow post game where hopefully we're talking about Ireland reaching a World Cup semi-final but until then enjoy the rest of your weekend put the boys in the better land you're always talking about the boys in the better land the boys in the better land Driver's got names to fill two double barrels. He spits out, rips out, only smokes carols.